Uh, today is one of my favorite, favorite services um, that we have here uh, all year round. And uh, it's where we get to celebrate mission. We call it Mission Sunday, and we get to focus on what God is doing. And uh, let me just say why we do this, why we have a Mission Sunday emphasis. And the reason is, is because we are heavily invested in mission. Heavily invested. 15% of offerings go to mission. And I want you to think about that. If, you know, if you, if you give a dollar, you know, 15 cents that you gave goes somewhere for a mission cause, whether it's local, whether it's in, a, in the state somewhere, maybe it's somewhere in our country, or it could be around the world. And, uh, and, and this is what we want to do. We want to focus on that. We want, we want you to make a connection with your dollars, with your, with your giving. We want to make a personal connection. Oftentimes, we, that, that connection gets lost. It gets disconnected, right? You know, you, you give, but you don't really know what you're giving to. And, and so today, I just hope that maybe you can make that connection. Make that connection with the people that we give to that we support, and, uh, and I pray that that will be a blessing to you. We have three missionary families with us today, and I, and I want you to get to hear from them, get to hear their story. I, I hope that by the end of the day, we're inspired by what God is doing in their lives. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, that's one of the last things that Jesus um, said to the disciples before he went to heaven, you know, before he was ascended to the heavens, and, and, and he, he Challenge everybody, Acts 1.8. He said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. In other words, you know, you're going you're gonna to have uh, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is going to come in, and you're going to have the power to revolutionize the way that you live. The Holy Spirit is going to radically change the way you think. Because prior to this, every person that ever lived thought about themselves. They had an inward focus. And, and, and Jesus said, the Holy Spirit is going to come on you, and, and he's going to radically change your perspective from an inward pers- perspective to an outward perspective. He's going to change the way you think. And he said, you, and you will be my witnesses. In other words, you will testify of me. You, you will proclaim my name. And, and you, would start, you would stop thinking about yourself and about your personal needs. You start thinking about the needs of others through the lens of Jesus. And, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the world. In other words, Jesus said, you're going to start in your own community, Jerusalem. And then it's going to branch out, you know, and, and it's going to go further over. It's going to cross some lines, and, and it's going to maybe be your neighbor's you know, the neighboring countries. And, and, then, and, and then, you know, it's going to keep going, it's going to keep going until it goes all the way around the world. And, and, and for us, that the challenge is still the same. That the Holy Spirit should be in our lives to revolutionize the way we think. Because it's so easy. Come on, let's be honest. It's so easy to be self-centered. It's so easy, right, to just think about me, my things, my stuff, you know, my issues, my world, that we, we, we lose focus on the big picture. And, and so today, I just hope that we can expand, you know, our, our view, our perspective, 
commission. And it's not about us. It's about what Jesus, it's about what God is doing in the world. And, and, and God is doing some incredible stuff. You know, the media don't talk about those things. You know, it's up to us here in the church to talk about these things, to talk about what God is doing. And, and, and so uh, we're going to invite these couples up here one at a time. I'm going to do some interviews, some questions, and, um, and to kind of get a glimpse, maybe a snapshot of what God is doing in their, in, 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 in their communities and where God has placed them in this world. And I want you to know that these guys are my heroes. These are my heroes. They're the ones that, 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 that they, they sacrifice all. And they pursued a calling. You know, a, a calling to leave the comfort of, of the United States. To go to a, a, a different culture, different world, different community, different languages. So that they could embed themselves into that community so that they could leverage the gospel there. And so, listen, I want us to honor. Today, it's all about honoring our missionaries. Last night, I, we took them out to a nice restaurant. I mean, it was just, it was just honor them. And now, we, we should say, you know what? You guys deserve this. You guys deserve this, absolutely. And we took them, you know, you know to a great restaurant, and we just wanted to, to spoil them. You know, we're going to bless them today. We're going to give them some you know, a, a generous gift, you know, um, before they head home or before they go on to their next stop. And, and, they're, and, they're, uh, and some of them are here, two of, two of the missionary couples, they, they're on furlough. What that means is that they're, they're, they, they come home from the mission field for a short time period, maybe meet with some churches, you know, have some conversations, maybe meet some new friends, raise some new funds, and get ready to go back into the mission field. So as they come up one at a time, let's, let's make sure we give them some late point love. Can we do that? Can we do that? All right. Hey, the first service, they did it. So let's do it here. Second service, let's make it happen. I'm going to invite the first couple, Joshua and Carolyn Javery. Why don't you come up here? <laughs> We're so glad to have you guys here. And... And uh, Joshua and I got um, some connection from our um, growing up here. You're actually from this area. And, um, and, and so you went to the same school that I graduated from. I'm just a little bit older. A little bit, a little bit okay. Uh, but my mom, she's right here. Hi, Mrs. Blanchard. <laughs> from your teachers, right? Of course, yeah. We, we, Go read my newsletter. I'm sure there's a Miss Comma or something missing in it. <laughs> <laughs> Would you say that you were one of the best students for my mom? And oh, I don't think I was one of the best. <laughs> all right. I, she says I was, but well, we're she glad. says that to all the kids, yeah. <laughs> well, we're glad that you're here. And, 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 and then you have a lovely wife here, and you've been married for two years. Why don't you talk about your family? Talk about, you know, and in the first service, you had your baby. But it's the baby taking a nap. Right, okay. Well, you know what they say, you know, early worm gets the baby. So, it's a joke. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Or the early bird. I, just, I didn't even get it right. Yeah. Well, that sounds about right. <laughs> so, I... She's not sleeping. <laughs> yeah, we're not getting too much sleep right now. <laughs> um, you want to share? 
Uh, sure. So we have a daughter. She's seven months old. Her name is Estera Joy. Estera is a Polish name, the Polish version of Esther. Um, I'm from Germany. Maybe you can hear it, maybe not. I cannot hide it, I think. <laughs> um, we met on the missions field. I came from Germany. I was in a Bible school, came to, to Poland. That's where I met Joshua on the missions field. Um, yeah, and then I moved back to Germany. A year later, I came and I just wanted to come for a vision trip for a month of prayer to see if God really calls me to Poland. And he did by not sending me back to Germany. So... <laughs> Yeah, we, we started dating kind of at the beginning of COVID, and so we had all this time. You know, COVID all of a sudden shut everything down. The churches were online, and things were just, you know, everything. It felt like the whole, yeah. everything was just pulled out from under us, um, and I was feeling really bad. And then Caroline came back, which she said she was going to, and I had decided I was going to ask her out. So uh, during COVID, dating looks very different, of course, so we did a lot of walking through the park and then passed everything that was closed and did more walking and more talking. Um, so it was just the Lord used that, that time to take everything away to the distracted us, which were all good things and just gave us this, this special time to get to know each other and build our relationship. So COVID had a lot of negatives, but it had a lot of positives as well. Yeah. Uh, so mission ministry in Poland and, um, and that's where you've been. How long have you been in Poland? So I moved there in 2007 okay. as a single. Uh, and and you know, now you got family, you got a beautiful picture of your, there's, there's your, Estera, Estera up there, and she got a beautiful baby smile. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> and, um, and so God has just been doing some incredible stuff in Poland. Why don't you talk about what Poland ministry look like? So Poland's been in the news a lot, as you know, with all that's going on with Russia and the Ukraine people. We have so many refugees coming in, and we had a lot of Ukrainians already in Poland. People don't know that. Um, there were a lot of people coming in for work, and so we, we were working with Ukrainians for a long time. Uh, Poland has changed a lot. It used to be really monochromatic, you know, very, very only Polish people lived there. There weren't a lot of foreigners. And over the years, Poland's economy has, has gone up, and it has drawn a lot of young people from Spain, from Malta, from Italy. And so you have more and more people moving into Poland. And so we're not just working with Polish people. We're actually working with internationals as well. And, um, but for Polish people, the culture is strong. And the idea of family and church is already kind of established. If you're Polish, you're Catholic, and that's the way it is. And you know, for other people, that might be different, but that's your automatic status. That doesn't always bode with people. You know, people don't always want to be told what they are, especially in today's world where we want to redefine ourselves all the time. Um, but we know that the Lord has a definition of what it means to know him and to be Christian. And so we try to walk with people in, in that. We like to bring a lot of Bible into our conversations with people. But ultimately, we want to see a church built. We want something like this as multi-generational. If people leave um, their their families, their cultural identity to have an identity in Christ, there are some consequences for Polish people. Um, it can mean losing your family. It can mean not being invited for Christmas, um, those kinds of things. And so we need to have a church that is a family, a really a family, not just a meeting point for worship, but actually a community where we are living side by side 
with the with the new believers. Our church plant that we left, that we established and, and has now been sent from, majority of the people have no one else in their family that would identify as evangelical believer. And so we have really first-generation believers, and they're figuring out what does church look like? What does it mean to walk uh, with the Lord day by day? And so that's what we attempt to help them do. You know, as we think about mission and um there's a lot of needs. What, what, what would be considered some of the greatest needs you have right now for your mission work? Maybe personal or mission? Well, for the, for the mission, because we have so many Ukrainians coming in um, and we're starting a new church plant, it, it, we're going to have to really change our mindsets. We're going to have to, when we get back, we're going to have to reevaluate what it's going to look like to start a church plant. You know, we've done it and now we're going to do it again. But things change, and so we also need to change. So you've been praying for that. We, we need to be flexible. And then, you know, we're trying to get back to the mission field. We're out here on home service. Uh, a lot of things changed before. Last time I was on home service, I was a single guy. So we have some support to raise. But at every turn to get back to, to Poland is, a, is just an, avenue, an opportunity for Satan to attack us. Um, you know, missionaries just have a target on their back. Uh, Satan doesn't want you to go back. He doesn't want you to to do ministry in places where he has a stronghold, you know, and anyone who kind of goes there is going to be a target. So yes, we have a war and we hear about it in the news every day, but we also have a spiritual battle. Um, and so you can be praying for us though, that we're pr protected um, and, and that we keep that in our mind. Awesome. Well, you know, um, <clears throat> we, we take on missionaries every year and you guys are new, uh, we're going to be one of our newer couples, newer families that we're going to be adding to our list. And so we're just so glad that our church is partnering with Mission Work in Poland. And the people that just kind of meet some of these needs by prayer and financial support. And uh, we're just glad to be able to do that. And, um, and so I'm going to invite my friend, Pastor Dave, to come up here. And he's going to just kind of pray over you guys. And if you would, will you just join us in prayer as you pray for the Javery family? Would you join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, Lord, as we uh, consider what you are doing in this country of Poland, Lord, we are just honored to be a part of um, spreading the good news, the urgent grace of Jesus uh, to this part of the world, Lord. And, and as we think of this family, as we think of Joshua and Caroline and, and their little one, Lord, uh, we know that, Lord, there's, there's so many struggles, there's so many obstacles being thrown in front of them, Lord. But I pray that they would get through those obstacles, Lord, and they would see when they return new opportunities, Lord, not only to the, the Polish people, but also to uh, the immigrants to the area, Lord. And, and I just pray that they would see a mighty move of people turning their lives to Jesus, Lord. That is the hope of the world, Lord. So I just pray for this, this family, Lord. I pray you would strengthen them, protect them physically, financially. And Lord, I pray that your spirit would live within them, that they would, through the difficulties, grow closer to you and that their marriage uh, would just reflect a a vision to the rest of the world of Christ and his people, Lord. We, so we ask your blessing on them now. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Bless. Let's give it up one more time for the JV family.
The next missionary couple, they do mission work in South Africa. And, uh, and, and they have been in South Africa for 19 years. And before that, they were serving the Lord in Brazil. And so before they come up here, the fosters, before they come up here, I, I want you to check out this video to get a snapshot of what God is doing in their ministry. Sapo wayo, mure na bulu. 
chava sae su su Uferi se din fale ma tuenye ho Use buluke Use buluke Si chava sae su Si chava sae South Africa South Africa glad to have Jim and Christina Foster and uh, honestly these are the first missionaries that we supported here at Lake Point and uh, we got here in 2009 started the church and from the get-go we said let's get behind the Fosters and um, we've got a relationship uh, before I moved here in fact your dad and I worked at the same church down in Florida for um, the whole time I was there and he was there before I was there and he stayed long after I left and, uh, and so your dad was a faithful man, and uh, it's just uh, a wonderful person to work with. And Jim at that time, and Christina, you guys were, for the most part, already on the mission field. Um, and so you would come home and, and visit mom and dad, and, and uh, we've always you know, just had great fellowship and always been proud of what you guys have been doing in, uh, in, the, in Brazil and in South Africa. Um, you have um, 25 years of mission. That, isn't that incredible? 25 years. You know, you showed, you showed me some pictures, and I love this. Your very first mission prayer card is right here. And, and you've got two little girls, and um, I want you to talk about the family here. And, and then, um, and then I, I want you to check out this next picture. Check out this next picture. This is what 25 years have done, you know, and they've become ladies. But I want you uh, to take a minute. Jim and Christina, maybe Christina, why don't you talk about your family? You do wonderful with the, with the talking about the girls and you're a wonderful mom. And okay, well, um, our two daughters, um, one was born, our oldest one was born while we were in Brazil, and um, her name is Brianna, and she is now in Colorado Springs as a figure skating coach. Yes, there's ice skating in South Africa. <laughs> so, and then our youngest daughter, Elise, um, she did musical theater, and so she ended up at a um, college in north of Sacramento in California. So, but she's uh, just a photographer like her mom now. So, and she was born uh, not too far from here in Indiana. So, while we were raising our support to go to South Africa, so okay, and you guys been married for how long? 26 years. So, we were one year married. We didn't think we were going to be able to have children, and God did a miracle, and we found out she was going to have our first baby in Brazil. And that was scary, but exciting at the same time. And so God just really showed us how he faithful he was in having Brianna right there in Brazil. So okay. we call her a little Brazerican or a Marazilian, however you want to call it. A Marazilia African now? I don't know. Anyway, so. Now, is it cold outside for you guys? Yeah. A little cold, okay. Although people would be surprised it gets pretty cold in Cape Town. Yeah. 
Not this cold, though. In South Africa right now is summertime. Yeah, it's going into summer. So you're kind of missing out. Yeah. It's, okay. <laughs> well, you get to go back. You guys are going back when? Uh, January the 10th. School will start about five days later. So we got to get back in time for school to start since I'm a teacher at the school and also the principal. So I've got somebody filling in for me this year. He made it very clear that you are taking back over when you come back. I'm not going to do this another year. He's loving it but he's ready for me to take over as principal of the school, so. Right, now one of your daughters is getting married. Yes, next, next uh, December. She's, gonna, she's recently got engaged uh, last month, and so uh, Brianna, uh, she's the oldest, and she'll be getting married in Colorado Springs next Christmas, so that'll be another time for us to come back. Yeah, you're gonna have to that. come back. Okay, exactly. all right. Well, uh, talk about South Africa mission. I mean, you've been there in South Africa for 19 years, and Jim, you have some ministries that you're doing. We saw some of the pictures, but once you kind of go into that a little bit, and maybe kind of share, Christina, maybe kind of share a little bit about what God is doing through you in uh, in, in way of ministry as well. So go ahead, Jim. Well, we, we first got over there. I immediately jumped in with Good Up Christian School, teaching in the junior high school, and just helping out wherever I could, ministering to the families. A church had started a, a school there in a low-income community where they said, look, the public schools are a mess. They're overcrowded, dangerous places. We have these families getting saved through the church ministry, a community church that had been started by a missionary, had been taken over by a South African nationalist, said, we need a school. And so they brought over people like us who came over as volunteers. We're not getting paid, so they can offer very cheap tuition to these families in these low-income communities uh, and just minister to these kids. And it was rough, I must admit, the first few years. Some of those kids didn't want to be there, but boy, they once they learned how much the teachers cared about them and the love of Christ, we saw such a huge change in so many kids' lives. We've had over a 1,000 kids over the years come to the school. Some of them have kids in the school. I taught the parents, now I'm teaching the kids. Uh, it's just been such a blessing just to pour into the lives of these South Africans, many different cultures. you got the Koza culture, the tribal culture. you got the Afrikaans, the Dutch, the British. You've got so many different um, um, cultures there. And uh, so our church planning has been in many different communities around South Africa. We've helped with about six different churches. Whenever we feel like uh, we've helped enough to where somebody locally can take over what we're doing, we will move on to another church plant. Uh, so we've done that on Sundays, and then during the week, I'm teaching full-time. I'm principal now, uh, and just we're just involved in people's lives. On Saturday, I'm hiking in the mountains. You saw the beautiful mountain there, Table Mountain, and I'm taking students with me and uh, just introducing them to God's creation, and we're studying the Word of God together. And it's just so wonderful to see when you pour your lives into other people uh, what God will do. And it's just been incredible. Uh, we've become, we say maybe if we're there long enough, we can be honorary African-Americans. Maybe we've been in South Africa for 19 years, but we love it there and just have fallen in love with the people. So we feel very much like this is home, but that's also home too. And then my wife's got a very unique ministry. Um, yes, I actually took an organization here in the States in Colorado and brought it to South Africa and opened up the first chapter of now I lay me down to sleep uh, in South Africa. It's a remembrance photography for stillborn and terminally ill babies. And 
using my um, profession as a professional photographer, I was able to um, go into the hospitals and create um, these beautiful memories for these families, minister to them, and share with them the hope um, that they can be able to see their, their baby again someday. But also, more than that, just share why I was there. Because when you extend something that um, like that, a gift of that magnitude to someone, they want to know why you're there and why you care. And so it was really neat how the Lord um, actually expanded my ministry from not only just one hospital, but now we're in every major uh, city across South Africa with teams of um, photographers and family counselors that I've been able to direct um, over the years. So it's been really neat. Um, Ministry. You're also involved, Christina, in some books that you're involved with? Exactly. So during COVID, they closed the hospitals, as you know, um, to any outsiders. So I wasn't able to, that kind of put a stop to that ministry. But when you look outside um, of where you are, you can get involved in a lot of other different um, ministries. And so we were I was able to uh, be involved in a collaboration where 21 of us um, authors from around the world, seven different countries, got together to share just a portion of our stories. We each wrote a chapter. And through the um, proceeds of these books, we were able to um, build a home for a homeless family in Big Corn Island, Nicaragua. And so we were able to see the house being built over the internet and know that we just had a small part in someone else's um, lives, even from just behind our computer screens and sharing a little bit of our testimony and our stories. So Absolute Will is on, um, is on Amazon and Absolute Vision is coming out next month and will also be on Amazon. So you can get that from there. I think that's wonderful. That's awesome. That's awesome. Hey, Jim, um, I'm sure you've seen a lot of cool stuff that God has done um, in ministry in South Africa. Maybe share a story, maybe a God story that you've seen um, in South Africa. One of our first 20 students' name was Monique. Um, she came from a home where um, her, uh, by the time we started this school, her dad, Uncle Frank, who became, he was an alcoholic who became a faithful Christian very involved with the church, and he became my friend, and we'd go out sharing the gospel in the community. Well, Monique, he could tell she was one of those teenagers that was going to have to learn things the hard way, and his two older kids weren't, um, weren't young enough to go to the school, but she was at the right age. Where she, They put her in the school. She was one of those that gave the teachers a hard time and didn't really want to be there. They took her away from her friends in public school. The teacher just loved on her and ministered to her, uh, but Unfortunately, she had been through a lot of trauma, uh, kind of encapsulates some of that culture. Sadly, some of the worst of the culture. There's beautiful things about South Africa. It's a wonderful country, wonderful people. But she had been raped three times by the time she was 18. By the way, South Africa, most people don't know, is the rape capital of the world, which is why I was scared to death to bring two girls over there. And God protected us so well. We've been so protected there. I've been so blessed. But this poor girl had been through so much trauma that she was bitter against God. Can you, can you blame somebody? who's been through that, to be angry. But she was medicating with, she, instead of going to the Lord, and her parents were trying to bring her to church and encourage her, she was drinking, she got involved with some gangsters, she was, she was doing the wrong thing. She was living life for herself, and she was self-medicating. And uh, one day, a friend came to pick her up, and she was kind of one foot in the world and one foot in church. 
And in Benelish, her parents taught her the word of God. The teachers taught her the word of God. But anyway, so one day she got picked up by a friend. She skipped work. And in South Africa, the, the roads can be pretty dangerous. The most dangerous are the taxi drivers drive these vans. And um, this taxi driver was drunk. And her, her uh, friend had run out of gas. And so he went to go get gas. And she lay down in the back seat waiting for, him, for her friend uh, to go get gas. And a taxi driver, I think we have a picture. A taxi driver ran, ran into her car, and that she was in the back seat. So she said she literally cried out to God. She was broken. She was bleeding. Her head was bleeding. Her back was broken. And she thought, I'm going to die. And she said she just cried out to God. She remembered all the things her parents had taught her. She remembered those things as she was dying. But here's the beautiful thing. They took, took her out with the jaws of life. She woke up in the ambulance with them saying they did, weren't getting a pulse. She survived. And she was in the hospital for six months. And this was 2018 while we were here. We went back in 2019 and we went and she had just come off the ventilator. And she had been told, you're never going to walk again. But you know the first thing she said to me? She said, when, I, when can I come to Good Hope Christian School? And I said, what do you want to come? She goes, I want to tell those kids not to make the same mistake I did. She goes, I was running from God. I was living life my way. In fact, I should be dead right now. But he saved my life. My, my life verse is Romans 8, 28. We know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. And now, if you look at these pictures, there's Elise visiting with me in the hospital with her. And if you go to the next one, you can see. And guess, guess what happened? This is one of the guys got saved in the hospital. Her dad would visit her in the hospital. And instead of just focusing on his daughter, he'd go around all the other hospital beds sharing the gospel. And Uncle Frank said, we need Bibles for these new converts. And I said, how many? I thought I'd go to the bookstore and get a couple of Bibles. He goes, I need boxes of Bibles. So many people were getting saved that he needed boxes of Bibles because in his pain, he was ministering to people that had need. And it's sometimes in our worst moments that God will step in. And if you remember that all things aren't going to happen that are going to be good, but they're going to work together for good. She's now one of our teachers at Grove Christian School. If you go to the next slide, there she is with my sixth and seventh graders last year. And she follows up. She, she disciples those girls. She encourages them to, to live a pure life. She encourages them to stay away from drugs, stay out of the gangs, which is a huge problem, and to serve the Lord. And, uh, and her dad, Uncle Frank, was one of my best friends. And we just go share the gospel in the community. But she focuses on, and she's focused on serving others. And I'm going to stop now because I could go all day. But um, but we're so thankful we can minister to people like Monique. And she reminds me, I have nothing to complain about. Right? We have nothing to complain about. Here she is in pain in a wheelchair. And yet she doesn't care about walking again. She cares about serving Jesus. Because she knows one day in heaven, she's going to get a new set of legs. So. That's awesome. Thank you for sharing that, Jim. And <laughs> uh, before Tom, Pastor Tom goes up here and pray, what, what is your greatest need? And how can we pray for you guys? Personal and mission. Okay. Uh, I always think of verse, pray ye there for the Lord of the harvest, listen forth laborers, for the harvest is plenteous, but the laborers are few. And I didn't even mention this first. We need more missionaries. We haven't had any new missionaries coming. Uh, the school, sometimes you feel like you're on the front lines. I know they need them in Poland. I know they need them everywhere. Uh, so pray that God will send forth some teachers and missionaries to South Africa. We, we had to close the high school because we didn't have teachers. I ran it for two years, but I couldn't do everything, so we're focused on the elementary school. But here's the cool thing about the elementary school. We're exploding. We've grown out of our facility. 
And so we need to build on. So we're trying to raise $50,000 to add some new classrooms. We've had 10 raised so far, and we need over the next couple of months the other 40. So it's going to take a miracle, but pray that God will provide the funds to expand the school. Teachers, uh, we've got 10 South Africans we employ full time. Uh, and it's because of being able to supplement that through uh, donations that are giving here that we can do that. So pray for that. Pray for safety. South Africa is a very dangerous country, uh, but God has really been good to us. We know that even if we die serving the Lord, we're going to be the next moment in heaven. But do pray for safety um, as well. So anything, honey, for, the, for our family our maybe? Visas. Visas, yes. We have visas that um, need to be renewed, and so we won't find out until we get back in January whether it was a yay or a nay for our visas to stay there. So that's another big, big. Please join the boxers and let's pray for them just uh, in the next few minutes. Tom. God, we come to you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, praying that you would meet these needs, that you would say, Yes, Lord to raising all $50,000 and then some, Lord, to cover any additional expenses that come on top of that to help them create an amazing experience and education that is centered in you, that you would continue to send workers, more workers, not a couple, not one or two sweet people, but qualified educators who feel called to shine your light and to uh, educate these young children. God, would you please send them? Would you even put a stir in their hearts now to make them look for you and to look for ways to serve for whatever it takes, Lord, to send them? Lord, we know that your enemy wants those children to grow in darkness. We just ask you, Lord, that you would bring people to work on the harvest. We also ask you, Lord, that you would make the visas and all of the political red tape that they need to do in order to get back, Lord, that you would make that incredibly smooth. We know how gracious and good you are, Lord. We just ask you that your goodness would shine in all these situations. And God, we just ask you that you would continue to draw close to both Jim and Christina's hearts, that you would fill them with passion, give them a unique sweetness and a connection with you and that their intimacy with you would only increase and grow. We love you, we trust you, and we cannot wait to see what you will do through them. And it's in your wonderful name we pray, amen. Give it up one more time for the pastor. Thank you. Real quick, my friend Dave wants to come up here and uh, we, we have, um, uh, he is no stranger here at Lake Point and uh, we come here every year. He's the CEO of Hungry for a Day. He lives here in um, Atlanta, and he's um, a business guy. He's just an average guy that just wants, you know, doing just an eight-to-five job. And yet he just felt like, man, I need to do more. And, and, and so about 10 years ago, I started Hungry for a Day, which is a crowd, crowdfunding uh, site, and it's just to raise money to help faith-based partners and nonprofits to feed people. And, and through his networking abilities, he's got incredible networking abilities, he's able to raise so much money, and every year he's got one of the biggest um, outreach is, uh, is Thanksgiving. And, and it started real small, you know, hey, I want to feed about 5,000 people, and now it's grown. Why don't you talk about Thanksgiving, what's going on this year? Yeah, so, you all hear me? Perfect, okay, no, that's good. Um, hey, before I talk about Thanksgiving, I gotta tell one story. So I was in, I was in Cleveland this summer, and uh, I was with a friend. We were walking downtown, down the street, and I saw this guy approaching us, um, obviously homeless. Um, one of his shoes, the shoelace was all untied. The other one didn't even have shoelaces in it. You know, his clothes were dirty. 
And uh, as he was approaching me, I just reached in my pocket and I was like, I had a few dollars, I had $7 cash in my pocket and I hadn't even talked to this guy yet. And uh, so I'm coming up, I was like, hey, what's your name? He's like, my name's Joe. I said, I just want to let you know, I love you. God loves you. And I gave him a few dollars. And uh, he just looks at me and he just stares at me. And he's like, how did you know? And I was like, Joe, what do you mean? How did I know? He's like, how did you know I needed help? You know, for us, it's obvious that the guy needed help, right? He doesn't even have shoe, shoelaces in his shoe. His clothes haven't been washed. And what we got to do this weekend was help some people that didn't even know how to ask for help. They didn't know. You know, inflation's crazy. You guys have seen it. My wife went to the grocery store a few weeks ago. She told me she paid like $6 for a gallon of milk. I told her she needs to find a new store. But, um, but I was like, that's crazy, right? But there's people out here that are they're hit by the cost of this stuff. People are losing their jobs. And we got to shed or give them some hope. Uh, so to answer your question, that was, I took a long, I'm already out of town and we just got started. But um, 10 years ago, um, a friend of ours, mutual friend of ours came up to, came up to us and said, hey, we're trying to figure out how to feed some people in our community. We wanna bless them during Thanksgiving. We came up with a plan to provide 25 families with a meal. It was what we did this year, you know, corn and green beans and sweet potatoes and a turkey, the same kind of meal that you and me are gonna eat here in a few days. And our plan was to feed 25 families and that first year we've had 55 families of Thanksgiving meal. And what I believe is I believe that generosity generates goodness. And when, we're, when we live generously, when we, when we live out of our blessing and we live with open hands, God turns that into something bigger. And other churches got involved, businesses got involved, our Hungry for Day community, people just started pitching in and it's grown throughout the years. From that you know, humble beginnings of trying to help feed 25 families a Thanksgiving meal, last year we fed over 37,000 people a Thanksgiving meal. And so, yeah. And th this year, we knew with inflation, we're like, I don't know what our goal should be. It's gonna cost a lot more. You know, the, they said the average cost of the meal was gonna be 14% higher this year. So we said, let's, you know, we had a good year of giving last year. Let's tone it back. And we, I guess we didn't really live. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? We weren't aggressive. We said, let's, let's try to raise enough funds to give 35,000 people a Thanksgiving meal this year. We've blown past it. Uh, it's gonna be, I don't know what the number's yet, but it's, it's bigger than 37,000. So over the last 10 years, uh, we've been able to provide over 200,000 people a Thanksgiving meal. And it's because of the generosity of people like Lake Point Church. Dave, yeah. <laughs> David, help us just, you know, every year for Thanksgiving, he comes up here almost every year and uh, just kind of help us. Yesterday, we fed over 800 families. So um, 800 times five, five is 4, over 4,000 people in the Detroit meal, area were blessed. This year. And uh, for Thanksgiving, and I think, you know, your generosity, I mean, this church has raised um, over $25,000 just, yeah. just, just to help that. You know, $25,000 that you guys gave. And then I know you got, you know, hungry for days. I hey, got what, what else you need? And it's kind of helping fill in the gap to where we need. But man, it is awesome that you're able to help 40,000, 50,000 people this year. And what a blessing that is. And uh, we just want to take a minute and just ask God to, to pray over what we're doing, pray for the meals that we handed out yesterday. We want to pray over that. Yesterday, every bag got a, a, a gospel invitation as well as a reusable bag. All the food came into a reusable bag with John 3.16 on it. We just believe that God's word will not return void and that they will just see that. And, and, and so, you know, as, as we help people socially yesterday, we also want to help people spiritually. And, and that's what Dave's heartbeat is with Hungry for a Day. We also, Cam, why don't you come up here 
and she's going to pray for uh, the Thanksgiving food. And, um, and I've got microphone number three right here. Um, oh, you got a microphone? Okay, microphone number, what's that? It's already on. Okay, there we go. All right. Um, <laughs> and so um, Karen oversaw the Operation Christmas Child Initiative. How many boxes do we have? I believe we have about 150 that were turned in. Yeah, it's awesome. And the fact that you guys step up, you know, I wasn't sure with inflation, the economy, what we were going to expect this year, and you guys step up in a huge way. I mean, you guys outgave last year's uh, for Thanksgiving. You guys, you know, at the same time, we're doing Christmas boxes, you know, and like Dave said, gener- you know, your generosity generates goodness, mm-hmm. and we see that, and we see God on display, God providing all the needs. And so I want, um, Karen, want to pray, ask God to bless all these, those that would be to, to you know, be, now, thank God for the givers of the gift, but also ask God to be with those who will be receiving the gift as well. Let's pray. Father God, I just thank you so much for these organizations like Hungry for a Day and Samaritan's Purse and just for providing ways for us to um, be your hands and feet, God. And so thank you thank you for those that who have given, those who have um, packed boxes, God, those who serve this weekend, Lord, I just pray that um, that through, as they go forward, God, that you will just continue to meet their needs as well for honoring you and honoring those who are in need. And God, I thank you for Dave. I thank you for um, him just using his abilities and his talents to um, for the vision of Hungry for a Day, God, that um, that generosity generates goodness, God. And so um, through the giving, through providing the finances that are necessary, that we're able to touch so many families in our area and all over our country, God. And so, Lord, as they receive their Thanksgiving meals and they gather together with their families, Lord, I just pray that they just will realize that um, that these uh, meals were given to them because God loves them and God cares for them and sees them right where they're at. And Lord, I just thank you for each one of these um, Operation Christmas Child shoe boxes. God, each one of these boxes represent a child that will receive maybe even the only gift that they'll get this year. And so, God, but even more important than receiving this gift, God, they will hear the gospel. They will hear that Jesus loves them, that they have a creator that created them for such a good purpose. And so, Lord, I just pray for each hand that will receive these boxes, God, that they will also receive your love. And Lord, I pray for the journey of the boxes as they leave our building today and as they are placed into their hands, that you'll just protect the journey ahead. God, thank you again for allowing us to be part of this weekend. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. That's true. Let's give it up one more time for David. As we kind of wrap this up here, you know, what, what does it mean for us? You know, how, you know, we just heard some Ask 1-8 story, but how can you be a part of an Ask 1-8 experience? You know, three things. You know, first of all, pray. You know, in your handout, uh, your program, there's a handout of all of our missions. We're adding a couple of new missionaries next year. But take that list and pray for our missionaries regularly. Pray for them. They need your prayers. And number two, give. Give. You can give them directly. You can give online to mission. If you have one, give to late point. You can give at our mission dollars, and, and and that will go towards mission. You can you can give in an offering envelope, or you can put a, a designate on your check. You know, hey, I want to designate so much of this check to mission. And you want to be involved with that. Be involved in giving. And then number three, get involved. Right? Go. Just go. Whatever. And, and, and that might be you go in Jerusalem. In our community, 
might be that Samaria and Judea. Maybe it's a neighboring city. Maybe it's a neighboring state. Maybe it's somewhere around the world. Whatever that looks like, go. Some of you went. Some of you got involved yesterday. Some of you did this. You got involved in mission. So pray, give, and go. God, we ask you to be with all these things today. We thank you that you're doing something, that you're still alive and at work in this world that we're in. Dark. The darker the world is, the brighter the light of the gospel. And so God, I pray that you use every one of us to be witnesses, to testify, whether it's in our home, whether it's at our marketplace, at school, or whether, whether it's at church, whether it's with strangers, whether we decide to go on a mission trip, whether we go somewhere. God, I pray that we always live out as one eight in our lives. God, we ask you to be with all these missionaries that came today. God, we thank you for the presence with us. God, be with their needs. Provide for them, watch over them as they go back to the mission field. And so God, we ask you to bless them, bless all of us today. In Jesus' name, amen.